You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of JaysFromTheCouch.com, and this will be a Stroman-free episode. I'm going to say that right off the bat. Um, We are saving the Stroman discussion for later in the day. I mean, y'all already heard last night's episode where I went over it and just the various stages on where I was with it. So we will actually be talking with a guest later today that I'm pretty excited about. So you will get more Stroman analysis and we we will be able to commiserate later on. But before that, since the plan on Sunday was to initially do the Fan Friday episode, and that kind of involved um, asking where Strowman was going to be. Obviously, that question will be stricken from the we- records, although I will say a lot of you had an NL East team. It just wasn't the team that Strowman ended up going to, which makes sense because, I again, I don't think anyone had him going to the Mets because why would he go to the Mets? It, it just doesn't make sense. But anyway, we move forward. So in the, in the second half of today's episode, we're going to talk about the race series that just passed. But I did want to start with last week's retirement of Troy Tulowitzki. And it, it actually is a relevant and kind of important uh, retirement for me personally. Because I got back into this because of Troy Tulowitzki. Without Troy Tulowitzki, I'm not here talking with y'all. So I will just briefly go in on that. Like, um, okay, back in 2014, that was right a year after I, I graduated from university, I finally started getting back into the sports writing that I've been doing when I was younger and I I started up my own blog and I was just fine. <laughs> I I was rusty, but I was, I was posting stuff about the NFL and about the Blue Jays and just trying to find my voice, essentially trying to regain that, especially knowing, you know, what, I, what I think everyone knows now, but I I didn't really get any buzz until the Troy Tulowitzki deal. And that deal happened basically a half an hour into my shift at work, which I know for a lot of people, they were asleep when that happened and had no idea this was coming. So I essentially barricaded myself in the bathroom at Sobeys for an hour, just reading everything on Tulowitzki. And then when I got back home at 8 a.m. in the morning, I wrote up a piece on my feelings and how how it felt to see the franchise that I I'd followed for years essentially make that move. And that post got picked up by MLB blogs. It eventually led to me getting on with Jay's journal and then locked on Jay's and then here 
So, I mean, not that far ahead of where I was, I guess. But w without it, I, I don't think I would have been able to pursue the sports journalism path again. So I, I have Trey Tulowitzki to thank for a lot of where I am right now. So he can hold that in his cap forever. But I did want to get your takes on this because, again, Troy Zlowitzki, another part of that 2015 team that is officially fading away. So I wanted to get your thoughts on him. And we will start with a fellow Jays from the Couch writer, Roy at Yeah, Hi, Roy. Roy will remember Tulo as the first great Jeter-inspired shortstop. The jump throws, bringing the Rockies to the World Series. You'll also remember that almost impossible feeling of your favorite team acquiring your favorite player. There's nothing like that. And yes, he will remember his unsavory departure from Toronto and to his seemingly negative attitude towards the trade and the Toronto front office in general. But I won't. he won't use that to judge him. He was either a Rocky or a Yankee. That's all he ever wanted, and he got it. And, of course, Kevin Pillar breaking to those scapula with his chin, which I I think that may be a, a enduring memory. Just how do you injure someone with a chin? But there there's a lot in what Roy said there that was very, very applicable. Again, I, I did I do have a soft spot for the Rockies because growing up, I love Larry Walker. And so I, I followed the Rockies for him. So I do have a soft spot for Colorado. And having Tulo come over was kind of crazy. So, again, it, it got me to go through an entire eight-hour sh hour shift just planning in my head how I was going to talk about him. And then eventually doing it. So... I understand that feeling, and it's it's very real. Um, Judy K. Rising at Baseball God 16. I loved watching Tulo play shortstop for Colorado. He always looked like that kid who was the best athlete in town. And I think that is the biggest tragedy of Tulo's career, actually, that he had all these natural talents and, and seemed destined for the Hall of Fame, but the injuries just kept piling up and piling up and his body betrayed him. And there was nothing you can do really to actually come back from that. Uh, Evan Schur at Evan Schur. We're still paying too low 20 million to golf for the next two years. I, I think the acrimonious departure is going to be on Blue Jays fans minds when they think of too low, because it's, it's not how you begin. It's how you end. Right. But I I don't I don't begrudge him that the Blue Jays never signed him to that deal. That was all Colorado. And again, if they made their choice to cut him, but it looks like the the better choice, right? I mean, without Tulo, there's no Freddie Galvis, there's no Eric Sogard, and there's no Bobichet in the majors right now. So I think that was the right move to actually do that and get him out of there and get that roster spot freed up. Um, Liz at Biggles 14, Tulo was amazing on the field, a huge upgrade over Reyes in more ways than one. I mean, seriously. 
Uh, waiting for Bo Bichot. Not waiting anymore. At underscore Brad C underscore. Don't have a single too low memory during his time here. Just his consistency and intensity. And I'm not sure how much the consistency really played into his Toronto tenure. But in Colorado, he was a picture of consistency. You could just pen him in for like 30 home runs and a 290 batting average. Like clockwork. And he, he was definitely intense. I mean, even to the bitter end, you could see how much he actually wanted to be out there and, and playing shortstop. Uh, Dave Reimer at DRimes20. Tulo played with heart and intensity. Really enjoyed when he was a J. If A, a had stayed and kept running the Blue Jays, I can see Tulo still wearing Jays colors, mentoring these young guys in some way. Just another example of Shapiro and Atkins dumping the culture AA established. All right, well done to tie that into the current front office vibes. I'm I'm not sure if Tulo would be a mentor type, just because when when you watch Tulo and and how he he behaved, there was a lot of Brett Favre in him, and in just being that guy who you know, wanted to win, wanted to be out there playing no matter what at his position and would do what whatever he thought necessary to win, but at the same time wasn't going to look over his shoulder. I mean, if Tulo was going to be like a mentor type, he probably would have stayed in Colorado and helped Trevor Story get used to second base. I'm I'm not sure just how good he... And I, I don't really see Tulo as a coach just yet. Maybe in high school, but... I'm I'm not I'm not certain how effective he would be teaching Bo Bichette. Uh, Electrician at Old School Blue Jay. Tulo. You'll remember him as a guy that did great things in Colorado, but never really arrived in Toronto. Questionable attitude. That being said, Sean feels terrible for Tulo. The guy is clearly a gamer, and it would have been incredibly hard to make the decision to retire. His head is there, but his body has sadly let him down. And don't I know that feeling. <laughs> Very well. It's It can actually be really tough mentally as well. And and for a guy like Tulo, who had that, that kind of steely, steely gaze, that, that resilience from earlier in his career, that he would be able to fight through anything and still produce, I'm sure that, like Sean said, it had to have been incredibly hard to to finally pack it in and and just move on with with his life because his body wouldn't let him do the things he wanted to do and i i do feel for him and and we're going to talk about probably his best comp in a second because i i'm waiting to get to that tweet because that was a really good one um Matt Hall at Hallamaniac07, frequent contributor to the show. Tulo's an amazing talent that couldn't stay healthy. A man that never wanted to come to Toronto. A player that got too much credit for his small success in our playoff run. And finally, a man who pimped a preseason home run to get back at a team that released him so he can play. I, I Again, I think his exit from Toronto is going to play a lot in remembering 
who he was in the minds of Blue Jays fans. And for good or for bad, that's that's how it's going to be. Especially considering he, he essentially sat a season in Toronto. And I'm sure a lot of people blame him for taking money and excusing Rogers in not investing that in the team to have a winner on the field. Again, they're not playing that game. They're playing the rebuild game. They they don't want to have a winner on the field right now, as evidenced by certain trades. But I I'm not sure I can say that he got too much credit. Because I, I think he did get the right amount of credit because not, not just his bat, which was an upgrade over Reyes, but his defense as well. Reyes was terrible defensively that year for Toronto, and Tulowitzki instantly bumped that up and, and made Stroman and Sanchez and Hap and Estrada better pitchers because of his defense. So I will give him credit for that. Did he ever want to be in Toronto? Probably not. He was very clear he wanted to be like Jeter. And play for one team the entire time. Um, Rob at Swales underscore Robert. He'll remember the great player that Tulo was in Colorado. Then the trade to Toronto and how we would have never made it in 2015-16 without him. I, I think that's a big, big part of it. Just to to kind of remember him. And I'm I'm going to close it with the tweet I was talking about and it's from a new a recent contributor to the show but one who's been very very good at it so far uh, at the real tale 17 an amazing early career until injuries derailed him reminds me of Nomar and Nomar Garcia Para is probably the strongest comp you can make for Troy Tulowitzki both Beloved shortstops by their fan bases, look to be Hall of Fame bound, but ultimately their bodies betrayed them and and they became shells of themselves. And and with Nomar, the, the drop was very steep. I started following baseball in the time when it was like who you got, Jeter or Nomar. Like that was a that was a legit debate back in those days. And it it was pretty even for a bit, but then Again, because Nomar couldn't stay on the field, he lost that edge. And as Jeter just kept consistently going out there and consistently winning, it it wasn't much of a contest anymore. And then when Nomar got traded to Chicago during that World Series run for Boston, it it was like the reverse to Lewitsky in in that you know he had to he had to go to make that team more efficient cuz they got Doug Mankiewicz in that deal and Doug Mankiewicz caught the final out of that world series and funnily enough if you look at uh Nomar Garcia Parra's page on baseball reference most similar by ages from 25 to 32 it's all Troy Tulowitzki and Again, that just makes way too much sense for for what it is. I I ultimately don't think Tulowitzki will get close to the Hall of Fame. I think he'll be one of those guys that gets like one percent and then falls off because he just he just lost it again so quickly because of the injuries. But 
I will I will remember Tulowitzki for what he did there. And and what he did for this city because that that was the trade that revitalized Toronto was was him getting back here and and just just lifting this team. So I will give him that. So when we come back, we will briefly discuss the the Ray series because once again I've gone way too long on an opening topic, and we will we will talk about some things that emerged from that series right after this break. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back. So, again, wanted to touch on the race series because obviously, like, Saturday night was huge for Toronto. And I I said as much on Twitter that when the Blue Jays were down 9-2, like, like it was, it could be jammed on. Like, again, I was playing softball all day on Saturday and felt, <laughs> felt like we had a better shot of winning that game. And we were like minus 42 and three games played. We, we did not have the defense going for us. But the Blue Jays, as they have done, they showed an incredible amount of fight. Teoscar Hernandez got back on a hot streak at exactly the right time. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. continued to hit at a torrent pace. And and Brandon Drury with the out-of-nowhere 4-for-6 four game. It, it did give fans some belief. And, and you have to give credit to the bullpen as well in that game. And it, it started with Wilmer Font, who only gave up the one run in three innings. But Font, Phelps, Giles, Meza, and Hudson combined to essentially keep the Blue Jays in it and make that comeback possible. So it, it was a great team victory, a a great comeback victory, obviously. And it it gave you hope that, that, you know, this is a team that can do that against good teams. Like the Rays are second in the American League East right now. So it's not like coming back against Baltimore or something. So again, it, it just kind of gave you hope that, okay, this Blue Jays team may not be able to do this, but they, they can be in games. So that, that was great to see the only, well, I don't want to say the only negative thing from that series. Cause Friday wasn't great. But the Blue Jays proved that they need to be able to hold on to wins as well. And I know there haven't been as many opportunities to do that. But you could see it start to happen almost immediately. Like when they got up 8-1. And then Tampa Bay came back with three in the top of the six. That, That Darno double off of Sanchez that knocked him out of the game and then Nate Lowe cashing him in. Like you could start to see that Tampa Bay had their own thoughts and they're like, Oh, well, if we just had it happen to us, then why can't we do it? And again, they started using the home runs. Um, G man Choi 
with the two run shot and then and then the really the the unforgivable ones from David Phelps, the eight and nine hitters taking you deep back to back. Guillermo Heredia and Willie Adamas. Just that was brutal. And Daniel Hudson was a hard luck loser, uh, giving up the ground ground ball RBI, but you you could just kind of see it, especially again, since that bullpen's been asked to do a lot. And it it does suck for Aaron Sanchez because he had that win in hand. Like, yeah, he ended up giving up four runs, but he he is looking better. And we'll probably talk about Aaron again um, later this week. But what Aaron did was was worthy enough of, of the offense that, that got put up in that game. And... Again, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. continues to heat up. And that's what Blue Jays fans want to see is is hot-hitting Vladdy coming through. He's starting to get more comfortable with MLB pitching. He's starting to, to find stuff. Teoscar's on a bit of a run, which is nice for him if he can manage to keep this going. He was on base four times in that Sunday game. So there there were things to like there it just again that bullpen just could not keep it together especially without Ken Giles available which throws his tradeability into question which is another rough thing for this team but you know this is the learning season it's going to be rough especially on that bullpen considering the blue jays have another long stretch of games that friday game against tampa bay uh kicked off a run of and I'm trying to do the math right quick. 19 straight games from July 26th to August 14th. They don't have another off day until the 15th of August. So this is going to be another rough stretch and they they do get some respite when they face the Royals and the Orioles, but they'll be going to Tropicana Field in August. They'll have a four game set with the Yankees and another set with the Rangers. So it, it's going to be long, and that I'm not sure how well the pitching staff is going to hold up, especially with Stroman gone now. But, again, this season doesn't really matter. So, whatever. Just just enjoy watching Vladdy hit a few dingers. That's all you can really do. And that's all we can do for this episode of the podcast. Just a reminder, if you want to get involved like everyone else who you heard in the first segment of the podcast um for evan and sean and tails and dave and liz and brad judy roy all those people i'm sorry if i'm missing anyone just quickly skim me back rob matt everyone um (laughs) just follow me on twitter at a underscore j underscore andrews have to use the underscores on Twitter because Twitter is stupid. Um, follow the podcast at Locked on Jays on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast using Spotify, Stitcher, Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, however you do podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on morning episodes like this one. And like episodes that we have coming up later today with our special guest who's going to be on. And I'm pretty excited to talk about. Haven't talked to them in 
in a while and definitely not like this. So looking forward to that. Again, we'll have some Stroman talk then. So for everyone at the Locked On Podcast Network and everyone at jaysfromthecouch.com, I'm AJ Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.